Yo, have you heard of LinkedIn Learning? If you haven't, LinkedIn Learning is an American massive open online course provider. It provides video courses taught by industry experts in a variety of subjects. Now, why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this because Living Corporate is in partnership with LinkedIn Learning to provide diversity, equity, and inclusion courses. Listen, if you're trying to be a better ally, you want to understand better diversity, equity, inclusion strategies, or you just want to learn how to be a better leader, you got to check out the courses on LinkedIn Learning. So check it out. You can do it one of two ways. You can click the link in the show notes or you go to LinkedIn Learning and you search Living Corporate again. Link in the show notes or go to LinkedIn Learning and search Living Corporate. I'll see you over there. All right. Hey, everyone. Um, Tiffany Waddell Tate here with the Living Corporate team. Um, If you're new to this channel or this series, uh, Living Corporate is a writing and podcast platform dedicated to exploring and celebrating underrepresented identities in corporate America. Uh, we are early to mid-career consultants who came together based on our shared desire to have frank conversation about the ways we exist, survive, and succeed in corporate spaces. As a collective, we represent a broad spectrum of beliefs, cultures, and identities, and we know that our differences have shaped our perspectives and experiences in the world of work. We want to engage with other voices that often go unheard and have our conversations out loud. So if you haven't picked up yet, this is a channel really focused on black and brown people making it through these streets at work. Um, And this series is the Access Point. So the Access Point is part of the broader living corporate network. Uh, It's a weekly web show where we strive to bring y'all real talk to prepare you for the workforce. While our content is for everyone, again, we're focused on preparing black and brown college students for the future. Every week, we'll have an incredible guest to help us discuss the topic at hand. This week, we are talking about respectability politics. So tonight, we have Felicia and Rose Anuha. Anuha. She's the creator and host and executive producer of the Trill MBA show. I love this. Uh, <laughs> a career management podcast for Black women. By day, Felicia is a brand marketing executive and has managed million and billion dollar brands with a B for Fortune 500 companies such as Kellogg's, Frito-Lay, PepsiCo, and the Coca-Cola Company. By night, Felicia is the trillest MBA you will ever know, (laughs) producing entertaining and educating content to help coach people on how to not only survive, but thrive in the workplace. Felicia, why did you say yes to the Access Point invitation? So, um, well, one, Zach, the host, uh, one of the hosts of Living Corporate Podcast uh, is a podcasting colleague and friend. And we actually did a crossover episode in 2018, I believe, about respectability politics. So he um, hit me up and said, hey, <laughs> do you want to be a guest speaker? And I was like, sure. Like, we are actually going to help some people and give them this good knowledge because respectability politics is something you have to navigate in the workplace as a black and brown person in the, it's all over the world, actually, not just in this country. It shows up in different ways. Oh. Facts. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited to have a very real, trill conversation. Um, too real for those of y'all that might be a little younger. That's what trill means, too real. Okay. Um, so let's get started. 
Felicia, in your opinion, what is respectability politics? So, you know, people have done studies about respectability politics. And actually, I want people to think about it in context. Um, you can answer everything with slavery, because this is where this started, right? And respectability mm -hmm. politics is when we police ourselves, but it's a survival tactic. So like you may go into the workplace and you just start now and there'll be like older black people there and they'll see you show up in a certain way that they know could be detrimental to you in this environment and they'll pull you to the side and they'll try to say, you can't do that. Don't act like that. Right. That's essentially respectability politics. Like somebody saying somebody from your own culture telling you how you need to show up to gain the respect of the dominant culture. Um, and it is truly a survival tactic, but I think sometimes for some people, they have drank the Kool-Aid and they actually believe that this is how we need to be, show up, act. And that if we don't, then somehow that that's amoral or wrong. And so that's the, the, crux and issue and, and um, tension in respectability politics. Nice. Thank you. Um, it's real, right? A lot yeah. of the things that we see and feel in modern day culture is derivative of the American slave trade and how that's passed down through our generations and our families and our community. So that's real. Um, why is this theme in particular so important for college students and recent college grads? So when you graduate from undergrad specifically, um, you come into an environment, so think about it, for 12 years of your life or more, um, if you're like me, I started school when I was three. <laughs> so, you know, from three to 18, I have been in school in an academic environment. And then from 18 to 22, I go to college. I may have a summer internship, but even that is, is somehow encased in the idea that you are a college student and you're seen and treated in certain ways. But when you step out of the academic world at about 22, 23, you know, for some people it might take a little longer and that's okay. But when you step out of the academic world and into the workplace, um, nobody prepares you for that. There is no class. And I know now it's getting better. Um, you will have these like work prep sessions some colleges do have, which I think is amazing and great. And we need that. But even then, those things are very surface, right? Because we have built a system in this country of um, norms and some of those norms are unspoken and so what happens is you come out you come into the workplace and you come up against the unspoken norms that you don't find out about until you've broken them and then somebody pull you to the side or hey worst case you get fired right mm -hmm. because you just didn't know nobody told you but you're expected to know and that's a tough position to be in especially if you're like me and a first generation college student and first generation walking into big corporations and in corporate America and not having any clue and nobody in your family being able to help you navigate what I call landmines, which are these unspoken rules. And respectability politics comes right into that intersection, especially as 
you know, there's not that many of us in workplaces. Sometimes you'll be one of two, maybe, if you're lucky. And what that does is that creates even a stronger reality of there's an expectation for how you show up because you're not just representing you, like white people have the privilege of doing. You're representing your entire race now, um, whether you like it or not. And so you need to hopefully be mindful of this, even though it's not fair, it's not right. It's, it's quite frankly, it's bullshit. Right. Like you should not be the person, the representative for all black people. That's not fair. Black people are not a monolith. Right. Mm -hmm. You should not be representative of, you know, Hispanic people or Spanish speaking people. If black people aren't a monolith, then people from 511 million countries that speak Spanish are not a monolith either. Right. So like for you to somehow have to be the representative. And and having that forced upon you, it's not fair. But for your survival, you have to navigate. Mm. So that's why it's important to have this conversation, right? Because life ain't fair, but we have to navigate it. And we want to navigate it for our best possible outcome. Facts. So Felicia, you mentioned landmines. Like you might, you really might not see a landmine until you've already stepped in it on it and 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 you've gotten some type of reprimand and it's blown up in your face, quite literally. What are some of those landmines? I mean, there are a lot of them, but what are some of the most common landmines that you see new or early career professionals uh stepping into in corporate America? I think the biggest one is when to speak and when not to speak. Mm. Say more. Say more. <laughs> Please understand. When you walk into these companies, and no matter what your function is, you can be in finance, you can be in marketing, operations, engineering, um, whatever you can be in the medical field, wherever you are, and you're you're said, here's we're gonna hire you for this job. We think you can do the role. It's an entry-level job. So the expectation is that they're going to train you. And you may have ideas and you may have things you want to bring to the table because you're smart. Um, you can solve problems. You spent all these years in school and people telling you that you're so great, right? So sometimes some people led with a little ego will go into these spaces and they can have, you can have the best idea and it really would make the company money. But if you don't understand your company culture, and you going around thinking, well, y'all should do this or that's stupid or that's not going to work. You know, you just giving them all your thoughts freely. Um, that's a big landmine. And the funny thing is, sometimes, you know, you'll have leaders tell you, we want to hear what you think. And they'll even ask you, hey, Felicia, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? And the, that's a landmine in itself. Um, there's an expectation for what's going to come out your mouth, but they didn't tell you that. And mm -hmm. so you need to sit back and learn. Now, on the flip side, not talking is also a problem, mm -hmm. right? It's like a tightrope. So you also have, like I said, you have to know when to speak, when and how to share your ideas and when to drive and how to drive for impact. And so that, I think that's probably one of the biggest landmines, not just for people coming out of school, but like everybody, yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like yeah. it's just big, like, and that's 
it's hard because sometimes like if you're if you're in work or job that you're really passionate about like i went to school for this i knew i wanted to do this all my life and now here's the dream job like you get lucky like that and so you want to just give and just learn and grow like you want it right here people are not going to take kindly to that unfortunately and where they should embrace you especially as a black and brown person that's not nine times out of ten you're not going to be embraced for that and so again it's about sitting back and learning when where and how to give your ideas thoughts opinions intellectual capital listen constant filtering like yes. as you were talking, that's what I was thinking about. That's what it is, right? Const it's constant risk assessment, constant filtering. Mm -hmm. And that's why we tire. Yes. And it, it's <laughs> mentally and, and emotionally exhausting because you'll see you'll see Chad. Chad Chad says whatever he wants, however he wants. And a lot of times Chad will be rewarded for that behavior. He'll they'll be like, Oh, Chad's so passionate. And a lot of times Chad ain't saying shit really like Chad is kind of dumb sometimes right but Chad gets rewarded because he's the loudest person in the room and and the, you got to understand for black and brown people that's not the saw for us that's not how that works you got to understand even though you're in um even though you're in this workplace and they'll tell you like we appreciate you we value you come on rah 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 all that if you say something that offends the wrong person that becomes now detrimental to your career at that company. Yep. And it's not fair because Chad can Chad can have a reputation for talking BS and like saying all the wrong things. And Chad will live. I don't know how Chad, I'm still studying that. That's something I'm constantly studying. Like, how does Chad continue to live in this space when he, one, doesn't deliver any value, two, takes up space that an actual smart person could be here, and three, is annoys every fucking body? How does Chad live? Make he it does. Make it make sense. We, make it make sense. We it does. About, we just had the biggest Chad in America for a minute up here. The how? How? Central Chad ran the country off. He ran the country and ran it into the ground, and he's still living to tell about it. Still, it's wild. It's that's wild. A, but so it is a cultural issue that we have in this country that we're living two different lives. And so respectability politics, the, the same thing that drives incorporate is the same thing where your, your parents sit down and have that talk with you to say, when you're driving, put your hands 10 and 2. If the cop pulls you over, don't argue. Don't, don't look him in the eye. Don't be confrontational. Just hold your breath. Don't make sudden movement. Have when before he gets to the window, have your license registration on your dash with your hands where he can see them. Don't even ball your hands up, really. Like all that is to survive. Mm -hmm. And it's no different in corporate. They can act a fool. I've seen plenty of white folks act a fool with the cops. I mean, we saw it on TV. Actually, you know, that was my birthday. January 6th is my birthday. So mm -hmm. every time now I'm watching the news, January 6th, I'm just like, oh. mm -hmm. Happy belated birthday. The rest of my life, the insurrection <laughs> will be on my birthday. But the thing is, like, 
January 6th was the ultimate double standard. And and this is this is what we live in. This is what we live in. What's a Yappa spray? What's that? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's some that's Brandon is one of our other hosts. So sometimes you know he 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 I don't know him. this language. This is, I, <laughs> I feel old. I'm going to bring something out from the 90s on y'all. Y'all wasn't even born yet. How about that? Okay. So listen, when you said, you said they are often not even contributing value. I think that is the, that, that hits so deep to me in corporate, right? Because it's, it's about the dollars. So if you're not bringing value, that, that math beyond the moral imperative, it's like, How? Like how? So, so here, here's the here's part of the how, and this is something I teach my coaching clients, right? Um, so it is truly about building perception. It is truly about owning and driving your narrative. So think about it, guys. How many times? And please, right, raise your hand in the chat. I wish we were able to bring people on and talk because I, I love interaction. So in the chat, tell me how many times you've been told. Just put your head down and um, work hard, and your work will speak for you. You just gotta outwork them. How many? How many of y'all been told just outwork them? Just go ahead, ding, ping the chat, and say me, me, me. I, I, I want to see it. I, I was expecting a flood. I'm not getting it. Come on, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing is, like you, Tiffany raises the yes. But here's the deal, you guys. Your work is only 10% of the success pie. And there is there is a model. There is a model for success in the workplace. And it's called pie. I don't have this committed to memory. So I'm going to give y'all some homework. Go Google pie career success. If you Google that, you'll, you'll see the model. Um, yes, Brandon, I feel you. I'm tired. That's why I don't work that hard anymore. And I teach my coaching clients to do the same. I teach them to spend a little more time focused on very few things that is important, that's truly important. So we, we talk about how do we distill down from our manager and our, our organization, the true priorities, how to stay focused on those one or two things all year long, and then how to drum up and build up the rah, 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 and the messaging that makes those one or two things and the plus one thing so, so that you went you exceeded expectations with the plus one thing and then you drive that narrative through and then everybody's saying the same thing about you and you should hear the the, the narrative that you give the earworms you give people you should hear that come back to you in all your feedback so one for example uh one of one of i call it echo chamber so i built this echo chamber and it has the narrative i want people to know about me so one of the things that i've built is people say about me felicia don't miss deadlines now, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all a little secret. <laughs> I miss all kinds of deadlines. Most of them don't matter. What I don't miss are the one or two very, very important and highly visible deadlines. Right? Mm -hmm. And then I drive the narrative, Felicia don't miss deadlines. So now my whole team always, we're in meetings, they're like, oh, but Felicia don't, we can't miss the deadline because Felicia don't miss deadlines. I actually was talking to my best friend over the weekend and she was talking and we were talking about work and career shop. We workshop and some stuff. And she was like, you know, I'm ashamed to say this, but like, I feel like I'm missing these deadlines. And I know you don't miss deadlines. 
I was like, oh my God, I even got you to say. I have friends saying I don't miss deadlines. Why? Because people take mental shortcuts, which is mm-hmm. the crux of respect respectability politics. It's because people are lazy thinkers. Um, and so you sit there and you get an idea in your head and you just run with it, right? And it's just easier. And then, then your brain is something called confirmation bias. So then you pick up everything to confirm the little thought that is, you know, guiding your brain. And so now it becomes, and that can work for you and that can work against you. And so you have to drive the narrative. So the way you drive the narrative is you start planting, you know, I really don't like missing deadlines, so I don't, right? You, you just start telling people that. And anything you want people to know or say about you, you just start putting that casually in conversation, every conversation you have. To you, it'll feel real repetitive. To them, it's just like, it becomes fat in their mind. Not even opinion. It becomes the thing. And next thing you know, you hear people saying about, you know, we don't miss deadline. She gets stuff done. Do I know? Listen, be your own PR machine, okay? Yeah. Be your own PR machine. Deliver the receipts and talk about it. That's the thing. A lot of times I feel like the work twice as hard message I got growing up didn't, you weren't supposed to say anything. You're supposed to be home. Right, no. That's not, but but see, that's the thing. Nobody will ever say I'm arrogant. So, so you got to understand because because of respectability politics, you got to walk a tightrope, right? You got to walk the line. You can't run around. You know, I don't miss no deadlines. Like you can't. Right? No. It's just real passion in the right moments that I'm passionate about something. Okay, guys, we really got to do this project, and I'm so excited about it. Oh, you got to be super positive, right? I'm so excited about it, and we're going to get it done because, you know, I don't miss no deadline. We're going to do it, y'all. And so, again, it was very subtle. But the brain takes mental shortcuts. So, Felicia, don't, oh, yeah, she don't miss it. We got to do it, y'all. Felicia can't miss the deadline. We can't, we can't miss deadlines now, right? We work with Felicia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm telling you guys, these are the tactics that work. And I'm going to give y'all the secret because it's not a secret. I tell this all the time. I talk about it on my podcast. I tell everybody it's not a secret. How to win friends and influence people by Del Carnegie. Yes. That talk is about- my Bible. Okay. I break whenever I have to have a conversation with my boss and I'm like, Ooh, she might get mad at me. I pull that book out. And I try to figure out how to massage the conversation so I can create a win-win. That's a tactic in that book. Mm-hmm. I smile a lot. That's another thing. Oh, Black folks hate to smile at work. Why? <laughs> Let me tell you. The things that account, right? Because here's the deal. Because part of smiling at work, grinning and grinning, like some people will be like, well, that's respectability. You just, you don't really grin and grin like that. That's you trying to fit in, you know, and it all that psychology, right? And you want to rebel against that because you don't want to play into the stereotype of anything. So you don't want to play into their stereotype thinking we're all lazy or this or that. But then you also don't want to play into this stereotype of the good Negro either, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, there's so much around this, but I want people to get laser focused on my best possible outcome and what are the things that i need to do to have my best possible outcome despite the uh, respectability politics 
And one of the things in that book, when I tell you smiling is disarming, child, you know, I have cussed people out while smiling at them. And they they said, I love you, Felicia. You're so real. I appreciate you for telling me the truth. And I say everything. I, I try to find the positive way to say everything. I have literally told people F you without telling them F you. And then they were like, they felt good when I left them. Because it's not in my, it's not good for me to have enemies in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But it's also not good for me mentally to just pretend all the time. So I had to learn how to communicate transparently, but in a way that left people feeling good. Mm -hmm. Nuance, major yeah. key. And the more leadership that you take on too, right? It yeah. becomes more and more important to have that ability to know your audience and influence people without making them feel like dirt. Cause that yeah. doesn't work either because folks already don't want you in the workplace. And then when you're leading them, they definitely don't like that. Exactly. They not, listen, just understand guys, white people, whiteness, let me not say white people cause not all white people, right? Just like black people aren't a monolith. White people are not a monolith. Okay. So mm -hmm. just, right. But be clear. We just got into these spaces, like not even a good, you know, 50, 60 years. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't really until like the 80s and affirmative action and like people getting master's degrees and like, we're only 13% of the population. Just our existence in these spaces, folks are uncomfortable. And they're uncomfortable because they have fear because they don't know us, right? These are very human behaviors, right? And so respectability politics, they're used to, you know, ex making sure we show up in a certain way and they've conditioned us to know that if we don't show up in a certain way, that could be detrimental to us. Mm -hmm. And it still happens now. You just have to be cognizant of it and you have to make intentional choices of how you're gonna show up. So there's a question in the chat. It says, at what point do you think that black people don't have to abide by the respectability politics anymore? Um, when white people, all white people collectively admit that it, racism is a problem and that they are not questioning how black people show up in the world, however they want to show up. I'll give you an example. And we're getting close. I don't know how long it'll really take, but I know we're getting closer. And how I know we're getting closer. I spent this weekend in happy tears watching the young lady, and I don't know her name. She's the gymnast that went viral, her, her CLA gymnast. And let me tell you why I cried. I cried because what I saw was freedom. What I saw of her routine was blackness, raw and unquestioned, right? And so mm -hmm. when when I saw her routine, and I just sat there and I watched her like she really did all that. She walked in everything. She threw up gang signs. I was like, yes, yes, we are almost there. Because the thing was, her teammates, her coaches, she got a nine point nine five. She did not get penalized for being herself. 
Now, here's where I know we still have work to do. There was a woman, some white woman, in the comments and on Twitter that basically was like, well, I just, you know, there was a lot of dancing and it wasn't very technically sound. And I'm like, you can't get a 9.95 if it's not technically sound. So you're on some bullshit. So it's, gonna, it's still going to take a little while. Your generation just ain't going to be that, that free. But I think now more than ever, you have the room to push the envelope. Because when I was y'all's, you know, when I was coming out of undergrad, I won't say when I was y'all's age because I don't know everybody's age all here. But when I was coming out of undergrad, you know, I had, I was told, like, you have to straighten your hair. You have to, you know, wear this type of suit. You got to put pantyhose on. You can't wear pants to work. I, they were still doing that ish, right? And that's a form of respectability politics, telling you how to show up in order to fit in to this normative culture instead of just being yourself and not having to get up in the morning and think about, well, I want to wear my, I'm tired of creamy crack and I want to wear my hair natural, but will that stop me from getting a promotion because white people scared of my natural hair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Alicia. no, it's not over, but hopefully, you know, I, I look like this and I don't care now, but I mean, I'm different, y'all. I'm different. <laughs> We have a, a question in the chat, and I think we can actually invite them on screen with us. So cool. let's give it a try. Tell me your workplace dilemma. This is my favorite thing to do. I can break, <laughs> I can break down a workplace problem better than anybody and tell you exactly what's going to happen. Because it's a pattern of behavior. It's human behavior, guys. Hi. My question was, how do you align respectability politics with bringing your whole self to work? Um, I feel like it's almost one or the other, um, or you have to kind of um, lean heavier on one side or the other. And, and I'm just going to add a little more context because I like to wear big gold hoop earrings. And I, I do realize that I kind of have to read the room first. Like I can't show up first meeting with the big gold earrings. I kind of have to establish that I'm professional and I actually know what I'm talking about. And then I can wear my big old earrings to work. And um, so I guess I'm just wondering, I know that bringing your whole self to work is the trend right now, but I also want to be you know, grounded in reality. And again, um, survive, as you said, so, and thrive more, more importantly. Mm -hmm. So guys, let's break this down. This whole be your authentic self to work is bullshit, but it is like, it's for white people and for white people to feel good. Like it's not real. Um, because if if we could bring our whole selves to work, I could talk to y'all just how I'm talking to y'all right now, use all my black English vernacular with my polysyllabic uh words, my SAT words too, right? Um, and and people be like, Oh, Felicia, you're great. Uh that's not how that works. When I'm at work, um what I coach my coaching clients to do wear your big hoop earrings right and so let's break this down what happens you have to build credibility in the workplace so when you start a job that's why you have to sit back and kind of fill out everybody like she said fill out everybody but i think some things like how you fix your hair how you do your makeup how you do you know earrings and clothes what you don't want is you don't want whatever you do to show up to be a distraction, right? So, and I think with the big hoop earrings, if people don't know you yet, 
that can be distracting. So how I how I tell people to think about it is when you first start a new job, the first 90 days, you want to fill out the company. So see how people do Do people wear jeans? Do they wear suits? But you come suited and booted until somebody, and they're going to comment because you can't win either way. Somebody going to make a comment like, oh, well, you fancy, right? Somebody, you understand, there's no quite winning all the way. It's just what's your best possible outcome. So when you first start a new job, come, you know, leave, not the big hoops, but the, the smaller hoops. Still do some gold hoops. Get the medium-sized ones, right? Um, and then what you do after the first 90 days, you felt out everything. Even if it seems like the hoops would be a bit of a distraction, um, wear them. Wear them. Because then you can see what happens, right? And then the thing is, be consistent. Wear them all the time. Because then after that, they get used to it and it's a non-factor. But if you want to wear your big hoops, and when you wear hoops, wear your big hoops after the first 90 days, right? But here's the real secret of how to get away with showing up pretty much however you want. If you want a nose ring, if you want one earring, like, you know, all looped up. I think I saw Beyonce with 511 ear thing, right? <laughs> if you want to do that, right? If you want to express yourself in that way at work, Show up your most positive self because what it really truly is, the reason why people get funky around that is because that's the only thing they can take away from you is you're not giving them energy to take away. You're not being intentional about your energy. So one of the tricks I tell people, I always show up my happiest self, even my introverts, because Tiffany, you feel like you're a little more on the introverted side. And so yeah. I always get feedback about her face and her facial expression, and why she looked like she don't care, right? When in reality, she's an inward thinker, and she is really trying to listen, understand, discern, and then come up with a very thoughtful reply for what's going on, right? But people love to read people and misread people all the time, especially us, because they don't get us, right? And so what she has to do and what you have to do is use your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you mad. <laughs> right? You should see yep. because the only way you can read a smile is happy. You can't you can't look at somebody smiling and be like, she mad. No, I'm smiling. There's no way. Like that's not what that signals to the brain. So I would like if I was coaching you, Tiffany, and let's say you want to wear your big hoop, I'd be like, wear your big hoops, but smile. Speak yep. to people. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? And then the hoops become a non-factor because people are like, they feel your energy and you left them feeling good. And mm -hmm. so now it doesn't matter anymore. It diffuses that. But when you don't give them anything because you've been told, put your head down, focus, don't get involved in that little chit chat and see us stay talking and stay focused, <laughs> then they, now they, they, they get to make up shit about you and your hoops become a narrative that, they, that it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So you that have to be intentional to what you give them, right? Mm-hmm. So here, this is a question I was going to ask later, but I think it's it's good now. Can you talk about how respectability politics or being intentional about how you show up uh, intersects with, you know, the fact that a lot of people are working remotely and fully digitally engaged? What are some things that people can do, you know, to to operationalize some of the, what we're talking about, even online? Okay. 
I tell people this is the best time to build your network because now you got leaders, they stuck at home like everybody else, right? Um, yeah. Their calendars have slowed down because people assume they're busier than what they are because they can't see you running around and going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And, the, and there's a lot less meetings now because there's not this need for FaceTime. Because a lot of times we just be having meetings, be having meetings because I need to look at you and you need to look at me and you need me to say no to your face, right? Now it's my email because I got kids and I got this and I got that, right? And so now you can get on people's calendars easier. This is perfect. Then you show up on this screen, smile, you have energy, you give them energy. They're like, oh my God, I like that person. And likability is really what propels your career. But you people that don't know you can't like you. They don't know Listen, you. Talk about it. Talk so, about it. And and that's the thing, like respectability politics for black people, we've been pushed into this corner and told, keep your mouth shut, keep your head down, all that. No. Go make you some friends, especially some white male senior leader friends. Go make yes. you some friends. And they want to talk to you, but they scared of you. They just get they just as scared as you of you as, as you are of them. They don't yeah. want to say the right, especially now after George Floyd. Shook. They shook. Shook it. <laughs> Listen, I emailed the CEO of my company because he sent out some letter that he didn't even write, right? Like he got people. <laughs> but he sent out the yeah. letter and I didn't like it. So I emailed him. I was like. And you know, again, positive. Every you, you can say anything to anybody if you put it in a positive frame. So I said, I totally understand that your intentions were awesome here, and I appreciate you saying something, and that was important. So this uh, that's the pat pat pat. Hope, but I have to be honest. I don't think the impact of this email on me as a black woman in your organization did not match your intent. Hmm. Mic drop. Boom, got him. So now he know who I am. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And he interacted me. Cause it was like, either I'm gonna get fired or this is gonna prepare my career. And sure enough, it was great. Like I was winning this summer. Um, But yeah, so like, you can't be afraid of your senior leaders. They need to know you. They need to know who you are. They need to know what you contribute. So, uh, and all you need is one receipt. See, a lot of people think I need receipts, like that CBS receipt. You don't need all that. You need that good little Taco Bell receipt. That's all you need. Like you don't, you don't need the whole thing. You just need one good hit or two, right? Mm -hmm. So stop working so hard and work mm -hmm. smart, and then focus on driving the narrative of those two good receipts. Those two good receipts will take you far. Even if you're black, they will take you far. Mm -hmm. That's facts, especially when, like you said, there's not that many of us. So if you're if you're making good trouble to begin with, it's right. gonna make a ripple, right? Because you're yeah. gonna stand out. Mm -hmm. But you always be positive about. I'm telling you guys, the power of positive energy. I know there's some book or something. I even read that book. I'm telling you, I come to work every day. I say things in the most positive way that I can. The hardest information, I spin it into like, well, what's the best, what's the glass full version of this, right? That's how I, that's how I've learned, just so I can have one filter. Because I think what we try to do is we try to change our filter based on the person we talking to. 
that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. That's exhausting. And so when you just have this one filter of what's the most positive way I can say this, that I leave you feeling good, that's the only filter I work through now. And it has saved me so much heartache. Mm -hmm. And people have actually been like, oh, Felicia, you communicate so well. No, I don't. I like to curse. I like to say all kinds of crazy crap. Like, I don't. Mm -mm. I had to work at this. I had to work at it. But you know that one filter, too, I like to tell people, senior leaders, whoever they are, they're just people. And nine times out of ten, people are so scared to talk to them that if you yes. show up, if you show up truly, bring yes. us some value and being yourself and actually acknowledging the fact that they're a whole human being and not just their title, you yeah. will you leapfrog people. That's the a secret. That's the mm -hmm. secret. Because let me tell you what that signals. That signals leadership. Because mm -hmm. the leaders are not afraid to talk to other leaders because they see them. And I'm not saying you 23-year-old, 24-year-old, go up to the CEO of your company and be like, I can be you. Like, I'm not... <laughs> You still respect, you have respect, right? But also you recognize this person's humanity, which a lot of people around them don't do because they are this title and all this BS that everybody made up to make them so special. They ain't that special. You'd be surprised if you sat in some of them leadership meetings and you heard their conversations, you'd be like, oh, I thought y'all was smart. Felicia, <laughs> <laughs> you tell the truth now. I'm not saying they're dumb, but like <laughs> idea that they're like they have like has they they have this extra special it thing. No, they built relationships in their career that got them there. It was the relationship. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, I really believe in this person and they can do this and I really am going to invest in them. So your job is to get people to invest in you. And the way you do that is by getting them to like you. Respectability politics does not mean getting people to like you. That's not respectability politics. Respectability politics is us trying to pull ourselves to the side and say, we need to act like this to get ahead. And that's not true either. You need to bring what you bring to the table. And that magic is in our DNA, right? Yes. I got loyalty, I got royalty in my DNA. Kindred. Yes. Fact. So yes. like, use that because they don't have that. And understand, they always trying to monetize everything we do, say, and be. Use it to oh. your advantage in these things. And then when you come to the, you know, CEO, hey, he don't know nothing about no TikTok. He don't know nothing about no clubhouse. None of it. None of it. Right. Low key, and really understand still. It's been out here. Been out. Um, right. And if you understand the business's objectives, right, like make sure you get versed in the business, make sure you understand big picture and how that relates to what you've been asked to do in the company. Now you start thinking, use your brain. You got it. And then when you have those conversations, you can have thoughtful conversations with these leaders that they'll be like, oh, this kid is amazing. Get them, you know, then next thing you know, you got sponsors and advocates and you, you, you know, manager, director, VP, like you making the, you got the corporate bag. But you got to be intentional about it. Facts. We got another question in the chat. Uh, Rashada asks, do you think that our younger professionals have a tougher time with seasoned Black professionals due to respectability politics? I recall I was being hated <laughs> or disassociated with instead of enlightened. I made it, but still. 
Absolutely. I will tell you, I actually, um, one of the reasons why I started my podcast is because a lot of the leaders when I was, especially when I was coming out of business school and, you know, I'm dealing with old heads, like they've been in this corporate game 20 years, they VPs, presidents and stuff. And when I tell y'all, I felt hazed, I felt confused. And they called themselves, they really thought they was mentors, right? And and I know they did the best they knew how. But the problem is, unless you have somebody giving you the real deal, like this is the shit and this is what you need to know and this is what you need to do and here's why and really break it all down. And their thing is, I didn't have nobody tell me I had to figure it out. And so the best way for you to learn is go figure it out. And that sucks. That's the, no, it's not just you. This any any senior leader that's like 50 plus, 50 something plus. Oh my God. The uncles, <laughs> the uncles in corporate right now, I'm just like, oh, y'all Negroes get on my nerves because that's all they know. All they know is this respectability and it worked for them. But then it also was a different time. And I think sometimes we, you know, as you age, you don't feel like you're aging. And so some things you see change, like you see the technology change and you you dinosaurly move along with some of it, but some of it you just you like, I don't know why them kids on their Twitter. I don't get that, right? Like you hear old people talk about it all the time. I have had friends talk about, and this is like older white people. This is all just older people, right? And they're like, oh, my granddaughter's on this TikTok thing, right? Like <laughs> they'll be in board meetings talking about this. But one thing the seasoned professionals understand is that the future of the company and how they you know meet their customer or consumer needs is built into this age group that's like bringing this new technology right mm-hmm. they're going to be the ones that want their parents to buy them this stuff and so mm-hmm. as leaders as senior leaders they got to be forward thinking and the older you get the harder that gets so give them some grace for Rashada is that I hope I said your name right give them some grace they, they're mere humans too. It's like the day you find out your mom and dad is human, like that's a painful day. <laughs> you're like, dang, you don't know nothing either. Right? Like, <laughs> like, I thought you had the answers. We all doing our best, right? And we do we do it with the information we had. And that's what they are doing. They're they're trying to equip you the best way they know how. And this is what how they were taught. So you got to understand it's a it's generational, but, but what I love is how we're evolving as the generation. So like my friends who have kids, they'll spank their kids. And I'll be like, that, that's different. I'm the just told you no, and I hate you. And she <laughs> So it is changing guys. And so it, especially with the respectability politics. So nobody looks at me now and like, you're not gonna make it if you don't straighten your hair, get a wig, or do something different. You don't put a bunch of makeup on. But then understand, like, there's the unspoken respectability politics. So I give y'all an example, um, and I probably shouldn't, but I'm gonna do it anyway. So currently, when I look at the black leaders at my organization, or I look at, uh, especially the black women leaders, and I look at some of the black women leaders who have left the organization too, there definitely seems to be a prototype. And that's something you should pay attention to. But you got to understand, in any organization, when you look at the leaders, there's always going to be a prototype. And so you have to decide, if I want that spot someday, 
what do I need to learn what those unspoken rules are about getting there? And then understand that once you get there, you can wear your hoop earrings however you want, whenever you want, because you're there. It's the getting there part where you got to play the game. Facts. Facts. And the game is different depending on which door you entered or which angle exactly. you is and who's in the room and you get sharper right as you keep going. I tell people all exactly. the time, I act up because the, the stakes aren't as high in most of the, in most spaces now. Doesn't mean they're never high now, okay? Because social media will get you caught up now. Social media is <laughs> fired. Yeah, social media is fired, but it also might get you hired if you're very intentional. You, you have know? And that's what I want you guys to know. The, the biggest rule, no matter what, respectability, politics, um, and you see you might have to navigate that or somebody come to you and tell you how you should show up, be intentional about it. Like it's, And you can opt in or opt out. It's an opt in or opt out. You can get money elsewhere. Don't never get married to no company because this company is not married to you. They will restructure in a heartbeat and you've done all the respectability power you showed up you try ride you did everything they wanted you to do and they will hand you that pink slip and not blink and tell you the day your last day get your shit and get out listen listen like you the side piece (laughs) (laughs) not a side piece they listen listen don't ever think you the main chick for these companies you know who the main chick is for the company the shareholders. That's Facts. the Facts. You're not wrong. So really the game is figure out how to use or leave behind or, you know, take what works for you from the respectability politics bucket and, and, and essentially constantly be a flight risk, right? Like you want to be a flight risk. I mean, at least that's what I think. Yeah. You, you kind of want to be seen as a flight risk in this, in the way the career landscape looks now. I think every, I think all companies should just mark black people as flight, as flight risk because y'all just allow people to mistreat us in these spaces like constantly. It's ridiculous. Like the number of EEOC claims and complaints is, is constantly on the rise the last five years. It's, it's bad. It's, it's bad. And so I, I don't want to discourage you. Anybody out there listening to me, please don't be discouraged. Um, you can navigate these spaces to your, to your benefit. Um, there's a lot to learn in these spaces. So make sure that you, but don't overstay your welcome. Stay there as long as it's good. They're treating you right. You're learning. You're adding bullets to the resume. They're paying you. Um, they, you know, they seem happy to have you. They they want to um, promote you and, and grow your career with them. But the moment they start you know, acting like it's other fishes in the sea, then you need to go get back in the sea. Mm-hmm. All right, Felicia, we're rounding the corner on the end of our time together. You have dropped so many gems tonight. I'm definitely going to, a couple folks in the chat said they were going to listen to the replay, even though they were here. I'm going to listen to the replay myself, okay? Too real. And what You can listen to the as a matter of fact for all the folks listening oh shucks we might have one more question but for all the folks listening um and we answered that where else can they find you your good content on these digital streets so at true mba show 
is on all social handles. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then on all podcasts, the Trill MBA show, the career management podcast for black women. If you put Trill MBA, um, usually it comes right on up. <laughs> um, so yeah, check us out. We are gearing up for season five, which launches February 7th. I'm going to pray. The team is working hard um, to make sure we meet this deadline. Um, but then also I got to produce uh, the show. So, but no, we are, we've recorded some great content for this season. Um, we're going to focus on, you know, things in our lives to support our career. So for example, a lot of times we don't uh, focus on our personal lives. We get so career focused and guys, it's life should be a balance. Like you got to give and take. And so you don't want to be, if you want to be married, you want to have kids, then you need to focus on that at some point too. Like you, it won't just happen automatically. So you got to understand having a good life outside of work makes you a better employee inside of work. So that's something we're going to explore this season. As I'm on my career journey, I'm also exploring that. Um, we're going to talk about really, again, I focus on the tactics. Like, you know, if, if you get on a pimp, what are you supposed to do? What are the things you need to be doing? Um, if your boss doesn't like you, how do you mitigate that, right? Like, how do you get around that? How do you kind of change that around or turn that around? And again, it all starts with being positive, having positive energy. It's really hard to hate somebody that's smiling and happy all the time. So even if you're not happy, fake it till you make it at work. Be happy at work. Complain to your friends. Don't complain about anything about work at work or to anybody that you work with. Never complain. Never. If you need a space to vent, one of your friends that don't know nothing about what you do or know nothing about what you, nothing, right? Go there. But at work and all the people, they should just like, oh, Felicia, she loves it here. Oh my God, this is great. We love her too. It's all love. It's just always a love that. Facts. Whether you like them people or not, they'll never know. <laughs> Facts. All right, Felicia, we appreciate you joining us tonight on the Access Point. This has been an episode all about respectability politics, what they are, how to navigate them and make, your, make yourself the owner of everything in your career journey. Uh, follow Felicia at Trill MBA Show on all the channels and Living Corporate Pod. We'll be here same time next week. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see y'all next week, next Tuesday for another episode of The Access Point. Good night. <laughs>